0: From the National Association of Evangelicals, welcome to today's conversation. Our topic, Prayer in America, What's Happening and What Should We Do? Host Lee Anderson, President of the NAE, talks with Daniel Henderson, President of Strategic Renewal. Today's conversation is brought to you by Christianity Today magazine, a magazine dedicated to providing quality and truthful Christian thought journalism and reporting from around the world. Podcast listeners can get a 60-day trial, which includes two print issues and complete online access to the website by going to orderct.com slash NAE. Again, that's orderct.com slash NAE. And now, let's join in.
1: I'm Lee Henderson, President of the NAE, here today with Daniel Henderson. Daniel is a man of prayer, and he speaks to thousands of people each year at conferences and churches across the country, around the world, on prayer and spiritual renewal. Before founding Strategic Renewal, that's the name of the organization, and doing this ministry full-time, he was a senior pastor for over two decades, where he brought prayer-based revitalization to those large churches. He also leads a national pastor's network, which is called the 6-4 Fellowship. His mission is to encourage pastors and help congregations experience renewal. Daniel has also written 10 books all about prayer, and most recently, Old Paths, New Power, Awakening Your Church Through Prayer and the Ministry of the Word. So thanks for joining us, Daniel. I've really been looking forward to this conversation.
2: Well, thanks, Leith. It's always a delight to uh, spend this time with you. Uh,
1: Today's conversation is particularly timely for us at NAE as we're getting ready for Pray Together Sunday on July 9th, which we'll talk more about a little bit later. But first, let's start out with a basic yet kind of often asked theological question by a lot of people. Maybe it's often unspoken, maybe it's said out loud, but why should we pray? You know, if God knows everything, why do we need to tell him what he already knows?
2: That's a great question, Lise, and I think it really comes down to our definition of prayer, Uh, traveling around the country, obviously pastoring over the years. People have have a lot of interesting definitions, and I always say definition determines destination. I say that probably the most typical definition would be prayer is talking to God, which makes God one big ear and us one big mouth. Uh, That sounds like a one-way conversation. Uh, Some people really functionally think of prayer as informing God about what he's supposed to do today in order to Structure the universe according to my specifications for a happy and comfortable life uh, But I, I found a definition by Alvin Reed who's a seminary professor and I think it's so key to help people understand why we pray and it is that prayer is intimacy with God That leads to the fulfillment of his purposes And I think when we start with that definition it changes our destination in prayer and helps us understand why we pray. It's it's really more about relationship than it is necessarily our own self-determined outcomes. Uh, it's more about transformation than therapy, although there are those components to prayer, and it is about joining God and His purposes, and uh, that makes prayer a real delight, and I help, I think helps all of us stay a little more motivated in our prayer life.
1: You know, it seems to me that often, I was gonna say other people, I guess I do it too, we sort of use prayer prayer as a synonym for ask. So God answered my prayers. In other words, he did what I asked him to do. And it's sort of another theological question, but if God's going to do what he's going to do because he's God and he knows everything and he's sovereign, then why do we ask him for specific things? He's already going to do it anyway, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a common, common question that people have. And certainly asking is a part of prayer, no doubt about it, but what has literally transformed my own life and is a major message we share with pastors and churches is that prayer is, first of all, about seeking God. And the way I say it, we need to learn to seek His face before we seek His hand. And we often think of prayer simply seeking His hand, getting from God what we uh, hope He will give to us. Uh, And I often say that if all you ever do do is seek His hand, you may miss His face, but if you seek His face, He'll be glad to open His hand. And really, that's really based on the model prayer Jesus gave us. Um, there are certainly many movements in that prayer, but in its most fundamental division, the first half of the prayer is all about God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom, etc. second part of the prayer is all about us. Give us this day our daily bread, lead us not into temptation, etc. The way I like to describe that is that the basic rhythm of prayer is that he is worthy and we are needy. And I think the more we can learn to pray primarily because of God's worthiness and worshiping him, uh, it helps us not only stay motivated in prayer, but it changes the things we pray about because we're not sharing our heart with him. He's sharing his heart with us, and then our asking is more aligned with His will. And I think that's where prayer becomes so life changing.
1: How good that is, and it reminds me that we start with God not with us and and yet it it's sort of okay to ask. I'm assuming it's okay to ask. I, I talked to somebody not too long ago from uh, a third world country. And I said, what's the difference between where you are and where we are? And he really had an interesting answer. He said, if you have an emergency, you call nine one one. What we do is we pray first and you know, he's right. He's right. And so often we turn first to our resources rather than to God. So, okay, my question here is, it's okay to ask, though, right?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, that's a part of prayer. But again, unfortunately, we have made it almost the entirety of our praying. And again, that goes back to what we said earlier. We're just seeking God's hand rather than experiencing His face. And that's where we misfire, because we're not essentially experiencing that intimacy, first and foremost, going back to that definition and then uh, ultimately aligning ourselves with His will. And, you know, you mentioned the other countries, and I've seen some of the same things. And I've asked myself, why is it they pray the way they do and we don't? And the conclusion I've come to is they actually believe that the Holy Spirit is the how-to. And we believe the Holy Spirit helps us with our how-to. You know, And, And in America, with so many resources, and they're not wrong, but... Uh, You know, I ask myself, why should I pray for 30 minutes when I can Google this in three minutes and be on my way and hope the Holy Spirit will hitch his train to my, or wagon to my train, right? (laughs) And so uh, prayer is all about the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately for us, we have so much, it's easy to become dependent on other things rather than really dialing into that intimacy with God.
1: There's a tendency for us to pray individually. And Even people that are not particularly religious say that that they pray. And then there are other people who are some of those same people who don't feel very comfortable praying with somebody else. It's okay if they're alone, but not together. So talk to us about why it's important to pray together with other believers.
2: Yeah, that's such a vital question. And as I train and coach pastors, I tell them one of the things that requires is a conviction about community as it relates to prayer. You know, Jesus said, "My house will be a house of prayer," and that's definitely a reference to the corporate nature of prayer, not individual prayer. And um, of course, we know that every major revival and awakening in history was rooted in movements of united prayer. And you look at the early church and how they prayed together. Uh, Gene Getz, who's a professor at uh, Denver—I'm sorry, at Dallas Seminary. Uh, has made the point that uh, we make much about individual spirituality and prayer, but really in the New Testament, those commands were primarily about praying together. They were received in community. You didn't have a printing press back then and individual copies of the Bible. The pronouns would indicate that in those commands. But he says the reason we miss that is because Western society is marked by rugged individualism. We think in terms of I, me, and my rather than we, our, and us. And I often say, if I were the devil, I'd do everything in my power to keep Christians from praying together because uh, that's honestly really where we learn to pray best. D.A. Carson said, the best way to learn to pray is by praying with others who know how to pray. And for some of us who are shy or maybe we're just not used to that sense of community, it could be awkward at first. But I think it's so important for pastors not only to have that desire for their people to pray, but to lead them in ways that will show them how to pray in order to be effective both in community as well as in their own personal prayer life.
1: So you and I have known each other for a long time. We've been friends for years, and I know of no one who better understands what's happening in prayer in churches and among Christians across America than you. I mean, you are like the expert on this, at least in my world. So tell us what's happening. I mean, give sort of an overview of the trends or... The dynamic or the good news or bad news about what's happening in prayer in the American church today
2: sure I, I feel so blessed because I actually have the privilege of really spending a lot of my time you know on the front line seeing what God's doing uh, one of the things that you mentioned earlier about our ministry uh, the 6-4 fellowship is oriented around Acts 6-4 where the early church leaders gave themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word And as you know, most of us got great training in the ministry of the Word, just not so much in prayer. And so we've begun to connect pastors together in terms of them um, learning how to pray uh, from one another, encouraging one another. And what I'm seeing is pastors in all kinds of churches are really beginning to take their leadership role seriously as it relates to prayer. Um, They also are beginning to pray across denominational lines in profound ways. I was just recently in Houston, where all kinds of pastoral prayer groups are are now emerging in new ways. And I was also recently uh, talking to a pastor in a small town in Oklahoma where they get hundreds of people together on a regular basis to pray. And so I'm really seeing that God's doing something. Uh, I think part of it, Leith, and we've talked about this at NAE, is the awareness of the cultural trends Uh, that are really indicative of a new hostility in the culture toward the church. And we realize we better pray because we can't fight this battle on our own. And I think it's a growing awareness of um, our need to really advance evangelistically by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, what I see is pastors are really beginning to lead their churches in prayer, incorporate prayer into their worship services, pray with other pastors, uh, it was Matthew Henry who said whenever God prepares to do a new work among his people, he always begins by putting on their knees. So I always say this is good news. God is up to something. He's got something up his sleeve, and he's got really big sleeves, so <laughs> <laughs> let's keep praying and uh, following those promptings in terms of what the Lord is wanting to do. So,
1: So that's really good news. I love good news about more prayer and people who are praying and how they're praying, and you know, I really trust your knowledge and expertise on. And we have an opportunity coming up for churches on July 9th. It's Pray Together Sunday. This is sort of inserting a commercial here. It's when churches will join with hundreds of other churches across the country and ask God for spiritual renewal in our communities and nation. And churches can register and find resources at nae.net slash praytogether. And I just want to encourage our listeners to ask their churches to join, but I was supposed to ask you a question So Daniel when you speak across the country, what are you hoping the outcome will be for pastors and churches?
2: Yeah, uh, Leith, I would just um, say that first of all in terms of the day of prayer Such a great opportunity for people to learn to pray by praying as their pastors lead them and model that for them So so excited about that, but I think the ultimate Outcome, of course, is the transformation of our society and uh, historically uh, spiritual revival and awakening have always been a great catalyst to that. And so that's what I really hope to see. I I often say uh, there are a few problems in our culture that couldn't be solved by revival of the church and the problem is not the pervasiveness of the darkness, it's the failure of the light. And so really believing that, but in my focus, I think so many times we talk about revival And we really are focusing on the fruits of revival, the things that we'd like to see happen. And in our ministry, we're really trying to develop the roots of revival, which, as we've talked, is really praying pastors and praying churches. And I believe that as that continues to occur, if God chooses to send that kind of revival, we'll certainly be prepared for it. And if it doesn't occur, we'll certainly be better for it because we have been seeking God and seeing him do wonderful things in our churches and in our lives.
1: So let's get a little more specific. What should churches, local churches, actually be doing to cultivate an atmosphere of prayer in their specific congregations?
2: That's such a a great focus, I know, of our ministry. And we, we really believe in prayer activity and programs. I think the July 9 event will be vital to encourage and catalyze. But ultimately, as you said, it's an atmosphere or a culture of prayer. And so for those listening who aren't pastors, I would just suggest they pray for their pastors. Uh, I have learned that a, um, the prayer level of a church never rises any higher than the personal example and passion of the senior pastor. And so they need to be encouraging praying for their pastor and his clarity of priorities. And again, just in Act 6, there were seven men who rose up to take care of the widow feeding program so that the elders and apostles could focus on prayer. Uh, But just to to really start uh, in any opportunity they have to begin to pray together and uh, to stay motivated. And one of the things I learned over the years, uh, Leith, is that there are a lot of things that can motivate us to pray. It could be, um, you know, approval by other people. It could be church growth. It could be even revival. But what the Lord really taught me is that the only enduring motive for prayer is that God is worthy to be sought, And when that becomes your motivation, it never changes. Of course, in heaven, the only prayers we'll be doing will be of his worthiness. And so for people in their own churches, just really begin to seek God's face, as we said earlier, uh, and worship him. uh, Pursue Mm -hmm. him because he's worthy. Start with other people, your own home, your own small group. Begin to incorporate life-giving prayer into every environment. I talk about building sidewalks where the footpaths already exist in other words in every environment in the church where people are together try to just incorporate more prayer and more effective prayer into that rather than starting additional meetings in an already busy culture and that really does begin to shape an atmosphere and culture of prayer in in the family in the small groups as well as in church services making prayer a priority uh, in the time we allocate to it even when we gather on weekends
1: In one of your books, you look inside the prayer life of 10 dynamic churches. And I'm kind of interested in some examples. They don't have to be from that 10. Maybe there's a current example that's more recent. But what are some good examples, some models, either by name or just by description, of churches that are really doing this well?
2: Yeah, I think uh, within the pastoral community, probably the the most notable one, which uh, I personally have a relationship with him, is Jim Simbola at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, they've had a Tuesday night prayer meeting for four decades, and they have thousands of people who come every week. And so that's obviously a great example. But I often say to pastors, you know, you go to Brooklyn, and I've taken probably over a thousand pastors to Brooklyn over the years. But you go to Brooklyn, that's kind of the Disneyland of prayer, and you come home, and all you have is a pogo stick, you know. And so the, the, the relevance is a little bit hard to, to connect there. Uh, But what I have seen, again, through this 6-4 Fellowship, where we're identifying now praying pastors, has been so encouraging. Uh, I just uh, will be in conversation in a few days with a pastor in Atlanta at 12 Stone Church, and he's a major Wesleyan pastor. He's meeting with men in his church one Saturday a month, hundreds of them, 800 to 1,000, come out to pray. Uh, I was just in Houston uh, recently, and several of the churches there have weekly prayer times, and that's effective. Many of them are beginning, as I said earlier, to incorporate <laughs> prayer into their Sunday services. Um, Jim Symbolist's son-in-law, Al Toledo, just there recently. It's called the Chicago Tabernacle, and uh, they have a Tuesday night prayer meeting with six to seven hundred uh, people who come. Uh, and and you have to be willing to start small. I think you look at those and you get discouraged. But even in smaller churches, uh, there's just a rebirth of passion. And and I remind them. To stay encouraged, because the commitment of the few can secure the blessing for the many. It's not always about big numbers, but it's about consistency and seeking the Lord and getting on the Holy Spirit's agenda as we pray for our lives, our homes, our churches, and our nation.
1: So let me put a hypothetical to you. You're an individual, and you would really like to see prayer, uh, biblical prayer, permeate not just your home, but the church and the community. and You know, the temptation is to go to your pastor and say, you better fix this. You better preach on it Um, and maybe actually do more damage than good, actually alienate people against prayer rather than getting them to engage in it. So what can an individual do and what kind of approach should they take with their own pastor, but with the church and even beyond their own church into the community?
2: Yeah, I love your comment, Leith, about the attitude some people, you know, maybe not even aware of it, but they have toward their pastor or others who aren't praying like they think they should. Uh, I remember Jim Simbler telling me one time, you can't ought people to pray. Only the Holy Spirit can draw them. And I think the most important thing we do is just humbly ask God to create this spirit of prayer and hunger for him. And then to guard ourselves from pride, uh, you know, the snare of the enemy is pride and uh, it's hard to self-assess sometimes. Uh, One of my friends used to say, pride's like bad breath, everyone knows you have it but you. And and so really to stay humble, to let God create that in the the heart of a pastor or in the heart of other people in the church. But one of the most important things I would suggest, Leith, that has again been a game changer for me, is to change the way we pray. Again, not grocery list praying, uh, but what I describe as scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. Uh, The most transformational thing I've learned and been able to teach other people is to begin praying out of the Bible, to let God start the conversation. And, uh, you know, whoever starts a conversation tends to guide it. Uh, You started this conversation. You've been guiding it. So I always ask, who do you want to start your prayer conversation? And I think every individual, every family, uh, every small group could make that change, and it could be transformational instead of nine or 10 minutes of collecting prayer requests and then doing an alley-oop at the end. uh, Spend time just worshiping the Lord out of his word and letting the word give language to our requests. And uh, as I said earlier, beginning with his face before we move to his hand. And I think in every category of, of, in every environment of fellowship, whether it's home, church, or even in the community, that really brings us back to that definition of prayer that is so life-changing. And it makes it more about intimacy with God that then leads to the fulfillment of his purposes.
1: Your engagement and commitment to prayer is just the best. It's just wonderful. And I'm particularly interested in who has influenced you in this, either individuals or, or books that have been particularly influential in engaging and developing your passion. I remember as a young adult, I read the biography of John Hyde. I think the title of the book is Praying Hyde, Praying Hyde. And Hyde. it was... It was very influential in my life it was enormously challenging it really helped me and I finished the last page of that book and said I'm no praying hide I mean I'm just there's no way that I could ever be like this man he was just astonishing so what's been an influence for you
2: well and when I speak around the country I always start off by saying I'm not a natural prayer guy I'm fiercely independent by nature you know and, oh. and prayers is depending on God so Uh, anything I do in prayer is all the work of God's grace. I do know for me the the most profound uh, source that really changed my perspective was Acts 6-4 where the early church leaders were confronted with a failure of a very important program which was feeding the widows but they had just a very clear conviction about their priorities and I tell pastors often that the power of no is in a stronger yes knowing your yeses empowers you to say no to other things and their yes clearly Uh, At the top of their list was prayer. So that changed my life. But then I began to read uh, J. Oswald Sanders' book, Spiritual Leadership, where he talks about the role of prayer in leadership. Of course, I've loved uh, Spurgeon's teaching on the role of prayer in the life of a pastor. Andrew Murray probably is the one I've read more than any about prayer, such a godly, insightful man. In terms of personal examples, I go back to Jim Simbola, who, uh, again, his whole church has been built around prayer and has just had a transformational effect. Uh, but again, I think ultimately what, I, uh, what I'm personally experiencing that's so encouraging is interaction now through this fellowship we've created of pastors who are just doing it. And, and I learn from every one of them, small church, large church. There's an old Brazilian proverb that says, the heart cannot taste what the eyes have not seen. And I think the greatest encouragement to me is the opportunities I have almost week by week of seeing uh, praying churches and praying pastors uh, and I learned something from every one of them, and that's the whole point. we got to keep encouraging one another. It's easy to to get discouraged, to uh, step back a little bit. Um, Jim Sembla says the greatest answer to prayer is more prayer. So uh, <laughs> that's how we want to keep praying and keep encouraging each other. And I hope that uh, what you do, what I do, we can continue to be an encouragement to pastors along that line as well.
1: Daniel, I have one last request of you that sure. I have never done. We've done lots of podcasts. I've never asked anybody to do this before. I would like to ask you to pray. And I would just, I, I want to close my eyes and listen and sort of come with you into the presence of God and and hear you pray for our country, for our churches, for the Christians of America, for the spiritual renewal that we've been talking about. Would you pray with us?
2: Sure. Be thrilled to. Thank you, Leith. So, Father in heaven, we do adore you and we declare the glory and honor and worth of your name. Uh, As we pray at this moment, the uh, angels of heaven are declaring your holiness and your glory. And thank you that through prayer we're able to join them. Lord, we want to seek your face. Uh, You are so worthy to be sought. Uh, We pray that out of the treasury of your word day by day, you would help us just to seek you for who you are. And allow our minds to be filled and renewed again with the glorious truth of you and your gospel Uh, lord to surrender our hearts to your purposes and then to trust you lord for the needs of our lives so that we indeed might see your purposes fulfilled in us Uh, lord today we do come on behalf of our own hearts and uh, god would you just continue through your gentle promptings to draw us close to you Uh, and as we partake of your word and your spirit in prayer Uh, create a deeper and stronger appetite for the things of Christ, we pray. And then out of that, Lord, would you allow us to join you in your purposes, Lord? I I remember a man saying that prayer is our partnership with God in transforming history. And, Lord, you know that we are at a point in history in our nation uh, and in our shared work through the NAE and and other endeavors, Lord, we are becoming so uh, keenly aware of a need for a supernatural advancement of your gospel. Lord, we know you're able. Uh, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Uh, But Lord, allow us um, to begin to join you in fresh and new ways in what we believe you want to accomplish in our homes, our families, our marriages, our churches, our communities, and our nation for the glory of Christ. Uh, Lord, we know we're in a situation where we're not going to be able to figure it out, but we know that you have the power to bring transformation. May it begin in us, And uh, Lord, as Paul said, may we uh, with unveiled face behold as in a mirror your glory and be transformed from glory to glory by your spirit into the image of Christ for the sake of the ministry to which you called us. Thank you for the work of NAE. I pray for Lee, my dear friend, that you continue to sustain him, lead and guide him, and allow us to continue to unite with believers across our nation, uh, particularly as we gather for prayer and then out of that praying as we are on mission with you by the power of your spirit, may we see the gospel continue to transform lives. And we pray this uh, for your glory and in your name. Amen.
1: We've been blessed and challenged and informed by all of this uh, good conversation about prayer. And just a reminder, sort of another commercial, about Pray Together Sunday. It's on July 9th, and you can go to nae.net slash praytogether and register and find resources. Our guest on today's conversation has been Daniel Henderson, president of Strategic Renewal. I'm Leith Anderson, and on behalf of us all, very special thanks to Daniel.
0: The National Association of Evangelicals is where we use influence for good. Today's conversation is one of many ways we connect and represent evangelical Christians in the United States. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, Please follow along on Twitter at NAEvangelicals or on our Facebook page for the National Association of Evangelicals. And sign up for our email list when you visit our website at nae.net.